The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I am desperately concerned about what's going on. First in this world, Israel, and then what's going on in yours and my heart. We're not in a good place. We're not in a good place. We are very individual. We think about our little part of the world. It 
Jesus has said to us, Revelation, turn to it. To the church, the angel of Laodicea. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. As you say, I'm rich. I've become wealthy and in need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire. You cannot buy something without money, and money takes labor. There is a place that God is calling us to. We need to wake up to that place and begin to understand that it's not enough to stop fornicating. It's not enough to stop drinking. It's not enough to stop the worldly life. There has to be more. These are his people. He's saying that we at this end time of earth's history are poor, blind, and naked. Oh, we have lots of television shows and radio broadcasts. We have lots of preachers preaching all kinds of things. Jesus' judgment on us is that we're fat and happy. When I was in college, M.K. Eckenroth, a famous evangelist, was the chairman of the department. Many times he'd gone out and packed a tent that would seat 5,000 or more people. Overflow crowds. Great work of evangelism going on. I loved this man. He was a good man, a gentle man, a, a strong man. I was overjoyed when he invited me to become his assistant in the department my senior year. To be the departmental student, help with classes and whatever the professors needed, I was there to make sure it happened. I used to sit in his office and he would regale me with stories of evangelism over in New Jersey and in some other places where huge crowds would come. This was in the, in the 40s and the early 50s. I'd say to him, well, let's do it again. Let's do it again. What's stopping us from doing this? And he would say, Ray, I'm tired. I'm tired. It's not time to do these kinds of meetings anymore. Things have changed. The world has changed. Isn't it still wicked? Don't we still need to go and, and evangelize? Oh, yes, we do. Well, let's do it. I'll take all next summer, and I'll work with you in a tent evangelism meeting. He'd smile benignly. He'd say, no, Ray. The hour for that has passed. We're not getting crowds like that anymore. But why not? Well, because times are moving on. I was disappointed that he 
did not accept my offer. I needed money to pay for the last part of my college bill, $400. One of the other professors invited me to go to Lincoln, Nebraska and help him put a new roof on his triple car garage. So I did. And God was with me and he worked miracles of protection when I fell off the roof and and landed four stories down below on the ground. Got up and was unharmed. I knew God was with me. This professor earnestly spoke with me and said, Ray, the problem is not that times are changing. The problem is we in the church have changed and we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. And with tears, he described his hunger for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And then I moved on, went to seminary, graduated. In that first year, I I decided I was going to go back and visit this beloved doctor. A new chairman was in the department. He had retired. I went to visit him at night. I went to his home without calling him because we were on that kind of friendship level. And there weren't cell phones. So I knocked on his front door. It was about six o'clock in the evening. He invited me in. And here I found he and his wife sitting in a beautiful living room, watching an old-time black-and-white movie. I don't remember what it was, but it was one of the major pictures. He and his wife had a, a bowl with some candies, and they were munching on some candies and sitting there watching this show. I was shocked. I did not expect him to be watching television. I thought he might be reading a scripture or or praying or... No, he was... He was sitting there watching his television with, with his hand in the candy jar... And I was shocked. Well, why would I be shocked? He was fat, probably 300 pounds, and happy. And that is very much like the church today. The church in America is fat and happy and has its hand in the candy jar. I am gravely concerned. We are the lukewarm church. In Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness. Wait a minute. Israel belongs to God. And Hamas and Hezbollah and the Hufis and whoever else is coming against them are going to be sorely disappointed because they will not be able to move 
Israel out of Israel. They will lose in every war and every attempt to try to move Israel. The scriptures are clear about that. Israel does not belong to Israel. It belongs to the Almighty God, and he appointed it for the children of Israel, not for the children of Ishmael. But we need to go further than that. The scriptures say the earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything about the earth is owned by God. He has founded it upon the seas. He has established it upon the waters. Now, it's vital that we understand what God has done because of what I'm going to say next. The earth is not yours. Oh, you own your own home? No, you don't. No, you don't. It is owned by God. And if he decides to move you out of that home, he can move it in an instant. The earth is the Lord's, all of its fullness, the world, and those who dwell therein. You are owned property. You are not your own. You are owned by God. Then comes the question. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? Okay, the whole earth belongs to the Lord. You belong to Jesus. You don't belong to your husband or your wife. There is a first call ownership over your, over your life. It's, it's the Lord God. Who can go and stand in the place of God? In the temple of the Lord. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So there are restrictions on who can go into the presence of God. It's not religion that allows you to go and stand in the presence of God. It's not membership in a church that allows you to go into the presence of God. that person who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation oh wait a minute righteousness is a gift from God it's not something you earn it's something you are given But the requirement to receive that gift is absolute surrender to the ownership of Almighty God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you go further on this question of being given righteousness, and I'm not going to go there yet today, The gift of righteousness from God, when received, will take you to holiness. Without holiness, no man can see the Lord. So there is a a process you are called to enter into, and that process is to receive the gifts of righteousness. Righteousness just means innocence, to be made innocent to no longer be walking in any known sin, but to be walking innocent before God. Verse 6. And I have to tell you, I've never seen this before. I've read this this passage over and over and over a hundred times or more. 
never saw this. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. So those who are going to be able to receive the gift of righteousness are going to be of the of the generation of Jacob. And today we desperately need to be of the generation of Jacob. Now, what happened with Jacob? Well, we find that story. Genesis, the 32nd chapter. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and he crossed over the ford of Jacob or Jabok. He took them and sent them over the brook. He sent them over with all that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And it says, And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. A man wrestled with him, fought with him, battled with him. We've come to a day when we must become the generation of Jacob, not the lukewarm. We must become a people who will fight, who will fight for righteousness. The devil will overcome us and sweep us away if we are not a people who have first wrestled with Jesus and gained the victory. Some of us are going through a very painful and hard time. Just got a message from a man. Who's had heart, two heart attacks or two strokes? He fell. He said, Trauma, 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 trauma. Why? Well, I'm a man who fell and broke my leg. And the Lord said, wait upon me. In other words, don't go to a doctor. Wait upon me. It's been now seven months of pain. If you have any idea what it's like to break your right leg and use a walker. It's hard to get into bed. It's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to, hard to, hard to, hard to, hard to. Well, what's going on? Well, I wouldn't obey the Lord when he gave me a very simple message. Instead, I said, I'm going on vacation. I can wait on vacation as well as I can wait here. His command to me was wait upon the Lord. Well, I didn't want to wait upon the Lord and do nothing. I wanted to go on vacation and rest. So I came back and promptly broke my leg. What's going on? Some of you have all kinds of issues that are going on in your life. Why? What's going on? You're being called into a, a struggle like Jacob had with Jesus. Now you can complain and groan and moan. You can pretend that everything is fine, but I know it's not. I know it's, there's a problem. There's a problem in my life. I didn't wait on God. I didn't obey. I, I went my own way. 
Now, I've gone my own way many times, but Jesus is finally coming to a place where he said, he said, enough. Stop going your own way. Wrestle with me. Deal with me. I spoke yesterday with you about, about sin. I spoke with you about sin that is... How did I term it? Sin that is. Is the word? Specific. Not general sin. The church today is wonderfully forgiven for general sin. Just say the sinner's prayer and we're good to go. No, God doesn't forgive general sin. God forgives specific sin. And you're not going to know what that specific sin is until you fight with Jesus like like Jacob did. It's time to go to war with our sin. It's time to be specific about our sin. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't know that I have any sin in my life. One man said to me, I don't know that I have have any sin in my life. The next week he was being abusive with his wife and caused her to hurt and bleed. What a fool. He was full of sin. But he was unconscious of it because he'd never wrestled with God. We're going to have to wrestle with God. Do you understand? There is a there is an amazing work of grace that God wants to do in our hearts. He wants us to recognize that we're blind and miserable, wretched and poor, blind, blind, blind. We don't even see our condition before a holy God. Oh, we've got all the theology down. We know the answers. But we don't know our own condition before a holy God, and we become lazy and fat and happy like the evangelists that would not go out again and strive for souls. No, he just wanted to sit with his wife and watch old movies and have his paw in the candy jar, getting fatter by the day. Ah, my brother, my sister, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. See, this is specific repentance for what has entertained us. Many of you today, as you listen to this broadcast, you say, Come on, Pastor, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Can you pray? Can you pray? No, you can't pray. You gather in a prayer meeting and your lips are sealed. You can't cry out to God. Why can't you cry out to God? Because you have an idol or idols in your life and in your heart. And you can't pray. You can't cry out to God because you know you're not right with him. He's been struggling with you for maybe years over this issue, but you have dumbed it down. said, I'm fine. God doesn't mind. It's not that bad. No, it's from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, though. And you know that. You know it's not from the tree of life. 
who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. I know from experience as a pastor that when a person cannot cry out to God, it's because there's an idol in his heart somewhere. And he's not free. He's not righteous. He's, he's not received from the Lord Jesus Christ the blessing from the Lord, from righteousness from the God of his salvation. Have you received the, the righteousness, the innocence from God? Not from your church, but from your salvation. If you have not received that, you cannot cry out to God. You can't pray. Your lips are sealed. And you'll sit like a dummy, unable to cry out to God. Why did Jacob cry out to God? The answer is very simple. Because Esau, his brother, was coming with 400 angry soldiers, and they intend to take booty and kill this man who was hated by Esau. The only thing that could change the outcome of that was for Jacob to wrestle with Jesus. And he wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. We've got to fight with Jesus. Wrestle with him. And until Jesus finally says to us, let me go. The day is breaking. And you must then reply, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, what's your name? Jacob. Heel grabber. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. You're going to have to struggle with God and you're going to have to struggle with men and you're going to have to prevail or you're going to be destroyed by the enemy that's coming with 400 armed soldiers to kill you. Do you understand? Jesus knows Satan intends to take your life. He'd be happy to have you struggle with cancer and twist it in pain and take you into the death. Satan would love to do that to you. You're going to have to struggle with Jesus. And when I began to sense this and know this, my first response was, I don't know how to pray that way. I don't know how to cry out to God. I can't do this. Take me, Jesus, to higher ground. I need to be on higher ground. I don't know how to pray. Oh, I can pray. I can say, Little prayers. We can all pray. I'm talking about the kind of gut-wrenching cries before God. That he would save me. That he would deliver me. That he would see my condition before him. That he would see that I desperately need the blessing of holiness. You can't pray the way you need to pray until you recognize the idol that is in your heart and you're finally willing to deal with specific issues, not generalized prayer. 
not sinner's prayers, but specific prayers. You used to question whether you should do this, whatever it is. But finally, you grew accustomed to it, and you said, yeah, Jesus is still with Jesus is still with me. Man, living with a woman who was not his wife, used to enjoy coming and having dinner with my wife and myself. And I finally said to him, do you understand that the blessing of God will not come into your life until you give this woman up? You're going to have to give her up. You can't continue to live and shack up with a woman who is not your wife and think that God is going to give to you the gift of righteousness. He won't do it. You're going to have to give up the lust of your heart. You're going to have to give up your anger and your bitterness. You're going to have to give up those very specific things that God's been trying to talk to you about. But you've not been willing to listen. You know what they are, or you don't know what they are, and you don't know how to pray. There's a problem. If you don't know what the sin is in your life and you still are not able to pray, you're in a very serious problem. You're in that Laodicean condition. You're blind and you're naked and you're miserable, but you think you're going going great guns. You're not going to have to get down on your face before God. And you're going to have to begin to agonize and cry out and say, God, I don't even know my condition. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what I should be dealing with. I just know my heart is cold or lukewarm. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray. God, you're going to have to pick me up. You're going to have to take me to higher ground. You're going to have to confess you're a complainer. You're going to have to confess that you don't know how to get to God. Oh, you're a Christian. You've got all the all the theology. You can go to church, you can pay tithe. But you don't know how to get to God. You're blind and miserable. Who may ascend from into the hill of the Lord? who may stand in the holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord. And the blessing he receives from the Lord is righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. I am looking for Jacob generation. I want the Jacob generation people around me. I want people like Jacob who are not afraid to struggle with God and with man, who are willing to admit they don't know what they're doing and they don't know how to do it, but they're going for God. And they're not going to back away for any person. They're not going to compromise with any person. They're going to go for God. Are you a part of the Jacob generation? I am. I'm a part of the baby boomers who missed Jesus. Oh, they got rich, but they missed Jesus. They built great churches, but they missed Jesus. I'd love to go to one of those great churches and preach one time. But they won't be inviting me to come because I'm a part of the Jacob generation. 
They're of the age to be a part of the Jacob generation. But they won't cry out for God until the Holy Spirit comes in power. Oh, we speak in tongues? What a joke. You've gone to the first level. It's time to go on with the Holy Spirit into power. Power to live a righteous life. Power to recognize your Laodicean condition. Makes my heart sick when I meet some Christian people and they say to me, Do you speak in tongues, Pastor? Come on, grow up. Get over it. The gift of tongues is given to the church just for the babies to mature them. Oh, yes, they'll they'll speak in tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than anybody else. But that's just the beginning. Don't credit yourself with speaking in tongues. And those of you who don't speak in tongues, don't sound proud about, oh, I don't believe in that. Come on, grow up in Jesus. Do you understand? We're in trouble. Some of you, no. All of you need to join me in the Jacob generation and get on your face before Almighty God and stay there until the until the the dam breaks there's a reason why the holy spirit has withdrawn from the american church we want a cotton candy jesus we don't want the serious jesus who deals with our specific sins who transforms us who breaks the power of the devil over us I'm one of those who been agonizing in pain. I know what that's about. I'm not making any claim to self-righteousness. I'm saying it's time for you to join together with me. No matter what it costs you. And become a part of the Jacob generation In Psalm 24, verse 6, of those who seek the face of Jesus. And we're not going to stop. We're not going to shut up. We're going to continue until we win the victory. And you're not going to win the victory with tame words. And if you're offended by this message today, I praise God I've spoken in such a manner that you have become offended. Be offended, please, and do something about it and get on your face before Jesus and ask him, is the pastor right? Go read for yourself Psalm 24. Read Psalm 24. Be a part of the Jacob generation. Seek his face until you find him. I am. I am seeking the face of Jesus with my wife, Twyla. We are crying out to the Lord. Day after day, we are crying out before the Lord. Because we've not broken through yet. You'll know when I break through. Because there'll be a whole lot of shouting and singing. The power of God will be flowing. And I won't just be on radio. I'll open a church somewhere. I can't do that because Jesus hasn't told me to. Because I haven't broken through yet. But I will. But what about you? Are you going to continue lukewarm? I'm not. Are you going to continue in your sin? So you can't pray? 
Oh, I can tell you. The time came when I finally dealt with the sin that he was asking me to deal with, that I can't close my mouth. The prayer just keeps flowing out of me. That's what happens when finally deal with the specific sins of your heart, the idols that you've been bowing down before. Well, what's your answer? I don't see any of you talking on the live chat line. What's your answer? Are you in the same place I'm in? Saying, I've got to break through. I love Jesus. I want to be with him. My brother, my sister. Let's pray. Down to the water to pray. Down to the baptismal tank to get our sins washed away. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Jesus, yes. I want to be, and I choose to be, a part of the Jacob generation, seeking after Jesus, seeking his face, not his hand, seeking his face. Praise God for you, Jackie. First one to say, yes, hallelujah, praise the Lord, yes. We've got to get a breakthrough, people. And you're not going to get it without a bitter war with Jesus and with men. Satan intends to kill you. He intends to destroy your marriage. He intends to destroy you. Are you going to go for Jesus? Is your heart totally given over to him? But you don't know what your sin is. Then you're going to have to go to Jesus and confess, I am blind and naked and miserable. I don't even know what my sin is before you, mighty God. Will you expose it to me? I don't know how to go to the next level. I need higher ground. Oh, God, take me to higher ground. I'm not satisfied with this tame religion. I'm not satisfied with this tame church. I want more. Oh, my brother, my sister, do you want more of Jesus? Then you're going to have to go to war to get it. You're going to have to cry out to God for the blessing and full anointing of the Holy Spirit. My Lord, I come to pray, to cry out to you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I seek your face. I don't seek your hand. I don't seek what you can do for me. I seek your face, Jesus. Your face I seek. Jacob sought your face. And you delivered him. And you made him an overcomer. And when he faced his brother and those 400 soldiers, his brother came and wept over him and hugged him instead of killing him. Jesus, we need that victory. I need that victory. I need that higher ground. I need the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. Not to twitter in some tongues, but Lord, to walk in the fullness because you have levels in your spirit. I'm tired of being at that small level. I need a great deal more than that. 
I need the fullness of your baptism. I need the fullness of your presence. Oh, my Lord and my God. I come crying out today to be a part of that Jacob generation who can win the victory through the power of the blood shed on Calvary's tree. Lord, forgive those who are so lukewarm, who don't like to pray, who just sit quiet. Lord, forgive them. Lord, we need you. I need you. I need your powerful presence. I need an overflowing heart. I need to be made alive in your spirit. I'm tired of church. I'm tired of same old religion. Lord, I rejoice in what you've done in me, turning me from every known sin. I rejoice in the knowledge that I'm walking in holiness before you. But Lord, I haven't broken through in your spirit. Lord, it's not about what I need. It's about what you want, Jesus. So many people lost and hell-bound. And we who call ourselves Christians are concerned about our little religion. Oh, Lord, please come. Spirit of the living God, please come. Jesus, I pray in your holy name. Lord, I pray today for those who are sick. In the name of Jesus Christ, be touched by the Spirit and be healed. Give them the courage, Lord, to cry out to you until you come and heal them. Oh, Lord, make a way for us who are crying out to be brought into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I want to thank those of you who've been giving so kindly, so generously. Mike, thank you. Thank you, each one. You have blessed us. Rodney, thank you. Chris, thank you. Each one of you who's been giving. I can't continue this broadcast without your support. So I rejoice that Jesus has touched you and your giving. May his blessing be upon you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon.